Stay up on the real culture of Detroit by tuning in to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network weekly. Music, art, business, comedy, and never-before-told stories from the people of Detroit. All right, so how's everybody doing? Classic Detroit greeting. What up, though? All right. So, um, Kari Frazier, Detroit is different. Uh, definitely great to share this uh, honor, um, you know, and, and appreciate this. And doing anything with Piper Carter is always uh, a blessing. Uh, and more so the vision and the premise of what Detroit is different is and what it represents. It's a website. It's a podcast, so you can find it if you listen to any podcasts. It's YouTube, you can find it there. But more so, it's a platform. Platforms are needed, stages are needed, uh, expression is needed specifically for black voices. And that's the representative narrative of what Detroit is different is. And the space for black voices to be heard uh, when it's so many outlets that suppress true black expression, that suppress the creativity of what we can offer, even though I do feel that the creativity of uh, so much Detroit and that black spirit has shifted so many cultures and permeates through across the world, actually. So what Detroit is different is, is also a network, but it's also a grounds where we connect different things even in the community and community works. Hence, Kim Shirobi, um, always somebody that you're gonna connect with if you connect with a lot of works in Detroit. And she reached out to me and said, okay, this is a platform that I think is sharing that same stage. So we definitely really only have a couple questions in this, but they're impactful questions. And Piper Carter's work, when we think of like those platforms that are needed, are very impactful, especially in today's era when we think of so much noise from what I consider platforms that aren't ours between like men and women being divided on thought process upon what building, what community, what just working together and just staying together looks like. Me and Piper have shared so much and grown so much together in this creativity. So Piper, please share a little bit in that and then we can get to that impactful question. Thank you, Kari. Peace, everyone. Peace. How's it going? Great, great. Okay, so before we get started, we know we uh, had this wonderful performance. So could we just give a little bit of more love to Stephanie for the beautiful music we heard? And so um, I come from the world of hip hop. So, um, and social justice. So all of those who are able-bodied, I want you to stand up for just a moment because we're gonna be talking. It won't be too long, but just gotta get some energy flowing through the body. So let's stand up for a moment. Okay, and so uh, we'll do Simon Says real quick, okay? Okay, so Simon Says, touch the top of your head. Simon Says, touch your knees. Top of your head, touch your knees. Shoulder. Okay, top of the head, knee. Shoulder, top of the head, shoulder, knee. Okay, sit down. <laughs> no break okay. dancing for hip hop. <laughs> no break <Yeah>. dancing. <laughs> we just did that a little bit just to get some energy flowing so we can pay attention and listen. Is that okay? Okay, yeah. It was either that or we'll twerk. So I figured. <laughs> 
So yeah, so my name is Piper Carter. Um, I am a photographer. I'm actually um, the first African-American woman to shoot for Vogue and Ellen Harper's Bazaar magazines like that. That was my former life. And um, yeah, it was Gordon Parks in the 50s and then myself in the 90s. And so um, I moved to Detroit in um, 2008. And after having a really wonderful career to take care of my mom, who I took care of for about 15 years, and she passed away last year. Um, and so I'm so grateful to have had that much time as an adult to spend with her. And so in terms of changing uh, the narratives, uh, part of the work that I've been doing here over that time is working to change narratives in community, um, not outward narratives t towards other people, but internal narratives. Um, because uh, as Kari mentioned, Detroit you know, uh, put the world on wheels. Detroit uh, gave everyone Motown and techno music and Jay Dilla and um, socially and economically, uh, there was an intentional destruction that had been happening to Detroiters. Right, and um, if you drive around, you can see where there were flourishing uh, neighborhoods before, and where people have been, you know, pushed away. And so, what that does to a spirit of people who, um, many of the people who stayed, um, a lot of people stayed because they wanted to stay, but the reality is that many people left because they felt they had to leave. Right. And so a part of the importance of what uh, Detroit is Different does is it shifts that conversation from gentrification, which tells us, oh, look, here's these people who have nothing going on and are so ignorant that they've allowed all of this to happen to them, right? Because that's what you read about, right, in the newspaper. I'm sure you've read about it. It's okay, because we read about it all the time. And so... Um, it's important for people uh, to be empowered, right? And so the position that we come from is that people are the power, but people need to feel powerful, right? So I wanted to kind of um, just center our conversation in a powerful conversation, right? When we talk about changing narratives and that we have the power to uh, create narratives and to put into the universe, you know, who we are. Right, we present people accept who you tell them that you are. Right, and so it's important that we um, we shape who we are. So anyway, that was a lot of talking, but I just wanted to like center us all um, in this conversation in this moment with these wonderful, amazing people. And so with that, in in my personal work, what I've been doing is shifting narratives through. Um, I went a whole another direction, started working in community and doing a lot of things with music particularly women in hip hop and have created this whole organization that centers women in hip hop and uh, do a lot of things to help them in their careers. But the main thing is for them to have their own voices and to, uh, to be who they are, right? Not who uh, society says that they should be. And I appreciate uh, getting to see you play a little bit of this trumpet with one hand while playing the piano with the other hand. And that's pretty miraculous. Uh, and, and while singing, you know, I love that, you know, singing. Um, and, you know, and, and the, uh, this reminded me of hip hop. This uh, is like, you know, uh, is it called round, like the rounds of singing that you had us do, but what you incorporated, you know, the audience into the performance, that's 
pretty hip hop. But um, I love that as well, right? That's uh, community building. So anyway, that was a lot of talking just to bring us into the center. And I wanted to go to you because we got to see how you're shifting the narrative somewhat in your music, right? And then now, how does this intersection of music and your mutual aid work, because you're the head of this whole mutual aid uh, network, and myself, I also do you know, mutual aid and social justice and have this whole philosophy, but I, I wanna hear from you, you know, how are you shifting the narratives and how are you, how does, what does that narrative have to do with your music and your mutual aid work? And then how are you using both of those to create narratives and shift narratives? Thanks. Um, so I feel like all my music is sort of about the topics, about the, about the problems that are bothering me and about the ideas that are coming to me. And one of the things that I, I didn't say that I meant to is one thing that's been happening for a while is my songs tend to come true, like sometimes eerily accurately. Um, and a lot of them have been about the scary turns our world is about to take. And I actually have a... I've really shifted my thinking. I would have called myself like a very not spiritual person a few years ago, and then I realized that that was really based on a lot of baggage and connotations that I needed to shed, and it's that the group that we've been with is very focused on spirit, and I've finally been able to, you know, like, you know, just get real about things, and, and started to realize that not only am I like predicting the future with my music, I'm also manifesting it. And I actually have really explicitly shifted some of the messages in my music in that way, um, which might sound ridiculous to some and might make perfect sense to some anthroposophist perhaps, but uh, so that's one piece of it. And, and I mentioned this because I spoke a number of times at the conference, but a big motivation for me to, to create a mutual aid economy is so the things that I enjoy doing can actually provide a livelihood. And I know that most other people would really enjoy doing different things than they're doing for their 40 hours a week. And everyone deserves to have their highest and best life while on this earth. So. Um, our mutual aid network was born from a time bank where everyone exchanges time, um, everyone's time is valued equally. It's uh, one of the core principles is that everyone has something to give. Um, and that is really huge. And when we started time banking, even though I was really motivated to do it, I didn't realize until I was doing it how much a, a shift it made in me um, and in a lot of the people who were doing it. and. Um, Including, actually, I have to mention it because we, we started based on doing a lot of displacing the prison industrial complex. So one of the early things that we did is replicated a time bank youth court from D.C. and so created, I know it's, it's, they don't, it's not called a court anymore, but uh, at the time it was like young people um, listening to what had been happening with their peers who were getting in trouble and then being able to do things that re repaired harm, that uh, built their strengths and capacities and also uh, 
help to address any sort of deficits that might be causing the problems. And because it was attached to a time bank, they could be paired with all kinds of people in the community. So you start building those community connections. Because one of the things that I realize is when we talk about defunding the police, I want the police gone. Yeah. Get, don't get me wrong. And prisons, no more. And... <laughs> And it's like children's behavior, though. There has to be a redirect. There has to be something to do. We have to get capable of building our own peace and preventing our own conflicts and handling our own conflicts and, and providing for people's, for each other's needs, not like I provide for your needs. We are mutual aid, so we provide for each other's needs, realizing everyone has needs, everyone has offers, everyone is diminished by this power over situation that we have, every single person is. So just getting back to those roots and, and doing it experientially really helps, like once you experience it. I, experiences do change you. So when people talk about you need to change before you can get out there and, and have a positive impact on the world, go ahead and get out and start having a positive impact on the world anyhow and you'll change. So that, so, uh, I will sum up by saying the most powerful thing, starting to engage in that way, is I started looking around and seeing uh, potential where I used to see lack, and that was it. And the reason, part of why I brought up the justice stuff is uh, there was someone who was like working at Homeland Security at the time, um, who was like one of the corrections people that we interacted with to get into justice stuff. And he had that same mind shift, and it was just like, a complete epiphany to him that he wouldn't stop talking about. And to me, that is that is it. We've, we create the common ground with everyone based on our common human values. And that's how we change the narrative and start to operate that way in the world ourselves. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. So the question I have, Mr. Clark, for you is, <clears throat> What are the people, places, or things that along your journey as an artist help change the internal conversation for you around the relationship between culture, community, and arts? You know, the main thing for me is, I, uh, you know, I've been traveling, I'm 71 years old now. I, uh, yeah. and I've been, been around the world, this globe, many times. I've been to every continent. There is most of the countries, you know, throughout, you know, these, I haven't been to as, as many countries as, as I'd like to be on the continent of Africa, but pretty much everywhere else, you know. And something that I've, I've noticed is there is a, there's a commonality. There's something that's very common in every place. First of all, I want to tell you, we musicians, we have the luxury of being able to do that. That's one of the sort of the, the perks of being a musician. Uh, even the guys that you know are underpaid and struggling, you still go to Switzerland. You know, you still go to here, you go there, you go to the Bahamas, and you know, you you see these places, and and it's funny, you know, you see the same struggles and you know anticipation desires you know that you see anywhere we we as people we're we're, we're really there is a matter of fact it just came over me there's a poem i think it's by my angelo and i think it's her shortest poem uh we're more alike than unalike 
you know. And and when you travel the globe as much as most musicians, you find that, you know, you, you play music or you present some sort of art, whether it's a picture or literature or whatever, and it 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 goes above. It's it's it it's it's like the f- the highest form of communication is art, whether it's music, literature, painting, or whatever. Because for some reason, we as human beings we have this ability to reach that aesthetic high level band with way up there you know it's just something it's just the way we, we we're we're wired and we all want it we all want it now unfortunately in different places some people are here some people are there some people are in war zones i, I forget how many skirmishes there are around the planet well over 50 we hear about the ukraine but there's there's much more happening and something something dawned on me recently was that you know you know, we're on this planet, and all the good stuff and all the bad stuff is a result of what we do to each other. Right? right? It's not like it's being beamed from somewhere else. We treat each other good, or we treat each other bad, you know? And so, <clears throat> so you know, what I, what I like about what you guys are doing, what what I do, because it's, it's it, you know there's groups all over the planet that are, that are doing things. I think that the key to getting this planet just moving back in a direction, because the way the way I see it as a musician is like is like there's a line here, and it, you know this is this is not good, and this is good, and right now for me this is just me. <laughs> it feels like it's. <laughs> It's like here, and you know, and there's good people like yourself and many other people around the world that are pushing it back, and we're really pushing it and pushing it. And, and I, I believe that the key to getting this thing back is the connection between you and within this group of people here. There are, there are subgroups, this group here. We have this organization. You have that organization. But once we connect with others in the world, and I mean really connect, that's where the power comes in. Because to the degree that we are divided, I mean, you can, a great example of how division works really well for the bad guy. If you, you look at the, the biggest stain that we have in this country, and I believe that if this country ever falls, it's gonna be because of the, the division racially, gender-wise, and so on. Because it's, it's a, it's a well, you know, sometimes I look, I look at my, my skin color, and I may look at hers, and I go like, or his, or whatever, and I go, it's such a stupid thing, this whole racial thing. Really, isn't it stupid? I mean, really, it's, it's a stupid thing. You know, when I grew up as a young man, you know, I, I was taught in a very kind of covert way, like, these people are better than these people. And, and, and there's no scientific evidence anywhere on the planet that skin tone has anything to do with anything. It's just a skin tone. It's like, you know, that's, that's a color. You know, so, you know it's, it's dumb. It's dumb. So I believe that once people 
feel really comfortable about reaching out to other groups. Once we get past, because there's, you know, there's a lot of good groups out there. There are a lot of people that have good intentions that feel uncomfortable to reach for another group that's doing good things. It could be different religions. could be the Nation of Islam. You know, they want to do something. But then you have this Christian group over here that says, well, no, Louis Farrakhan, oh, no, can't hang with him. But you know what? Again, being a musician, <laughs> I've met a lot of people. I've met Louis Farrakhan. He's, he's not what you think. <laughs> he's, he's not. I mean, he's... and. I met him through a, it was an odd kind of a meeting. Uh, he, he was, you know, he's actually a classical violinist. I don't know whether people know this. He's like one, like I'm talking about really serious. And very few people know this. And, and he, he asked myself, Chick Corea, Chaka Khan, a few other people to come and meet him at a hotel. He wanted to show us his new record. And so we're there and we're talking and I'm, and I'll never forget, Chick Corea said to him, like, uh, hey. And he had all his lieutenants around him. They were bow-tied down, and everybody was clean, very strong. And he checked, you know, was, you know, he said, like, man, you know, you play so good. What is with this minister thing, man? <laughs> and all these, it sounded like these guys' heels click. <laughs> they came to attention. I was like, Chick, please shut up. <laughs> Please, going to get, you know. But it was just a, a classic example of just, de, you know, degrees of division between people. I, I really I really only have one message out of everything that I've done. You know, we've, I've, I've, I've done a lot of things in my life. Uh, me and my wife, my wife Sophia here, you know, we've, we have scholarship foundations because I also believe that education, I believe that we're losing too many generations within a life. You can lose like this class of kids that come up this year, then they go here, then there's some other ones that are coming up and we miss so many people and you gotta catch them. Education is extremely important. You know, we, it's, it, it, it really is, and I'll just leave it at that. But. You know, the thing that's really important to me is is this connection, and that and that and that's. I'm just gonna like end with that. I could go on and on, but I I urge and I really stress that reach out, reach out to me. You know, I I came here some a couple of years ago before COVID, and met with a lot of police officers here because um, back in LA, we have something called. It was called the Peace Rides, and it was something very simple. It was a guy from the Nation of Islam, the minister Tony Mohammed, and a minister uh, uh, named Alfredi Johnson uh, down in South Central came up with the idea because, you know, because of gangs, the people would, were in in their homes all the time, like stuck in a home, afraid to come out. So what we did was we, we have friends uh, in, the, in the motorcycle gangs, <laughs> so we talked to them. We had all the motorcycle gangs, we had low riders, we had all these people. We went and rode through these neighborhoods with horns saying, come outside, you come out. Something that simple will raise the tone of a person to give them, it, it may be minuscule to someone who lives in a, a nice neighborhood, they can walk out their house, but there are people 
that are stuck in. There's a whole there's a whole chain of events, things that have to happen. And I believe if we could all get together and reach out, there are a lot of groups in this city that that are just waiting for somebody to call them. And um, you know, I'm gonna leave, you know, Frankie has has, you know, you can reach out to Frank or uh, you know, I'll leave as much information as I can. And um, anyway, I don't want to take up too much time here, but you know, we have to connect. We have to connect. All right. So I, I think we probably at that timetable. We at the time. I'm I'm just you know guessing and everything. Um, and I know um, a audience question because we we got a, a, a short time. Well, that's uh, the best question. So I, I I don't know necessarily. That's actually best, a question. Who has an actual question? It has to end with a question mark. I, I, I was thinking, um, because I was thinking Mr. Talbert, especially from uh, Be More Radio, um, all of the work that he's done. Uh, I know that he spoke um, so much work. Uh, Dennis Talbert, when we think of what Brightmore represents and changing the narrative. And now, right now, the narrative has changed in certain ways around Brightmore, but Brightmore is one of those historic staples of a community in the city of Detroit. Is I believe this, you all were spending time in Brightmore and over here in Marygrove, but uh, you know, Dennis's work in Brightmore, you know, it stands tall, it looms tall. So if I would pass the mic to anybody, I would. There's a mic there, I think, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, Mr. Tower, most definitely. Where, where, where is the mic? <laughs> the, uh, oh, it's, it's the in the dark. There, but I can give here. you. I can. I, he can use. He can use this mic. <laughs> this is embarrassing because I don't really have a question, but <laughs> but uh, uh, I guess the question that I would put before you is: What do you see as the future? Um, you know, the the focus is where we are and where we're going, and so if you were to put a vision before you, what would be your vision for the future? Well, wait a minute. That includes you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, honestly, um, I consider myself an Afrofuturist, and um, I have been an avid follower of uh, Octavia Butler forever and ever and ever, who taught us how to be shapeshifters. And so for me, the future is always now, just in the land of if we look at ancestral knowledge and where we've come from and that we are the answers to our ancestors' prayers and tears and all of that. And so because time is cyclical, I look at um, our beginning is our end as is our beginning. And so for me, um, there is just like our world is constantly revolving and evolving we're constantly evolving and revolving just like all of ourselves and so what i would like for the future to be or at least for myself the footprint that i would like to leave here um, on this earth uh, i look at the, all the young people that I've been working with over the past 15 years, and many of them are adults now who live the principles um, that they've been taught around environmental justice or uh, anti-racism or um, all types of anti-oppression, you know, um, you know, looking at gender justice and all the, all the things, right? And so for me, just looking at um, 
just marveling and wondering and, and being very appreciative of the next generation that I see living uh, these principles. Um, and so I know that when my spirit goes back to the ethers that they will carry, carry that forward. I know that was a lot of like mumbo jumbo, but it was real. Um, and I just look at, you know, just everything shifting. And uh, we could look at, you know, all the things that are shifting towards uh, the end. But um, in the land of, you know, building the new, things have to, things have to end, right? And then new things grow. So I just see, I see it, I see a constant evolution that's constantly happening and even like work that you're doing, the seeds that, you know, are being planted and the people who, who we don't even know that we impress upon that are just continuing to uh, evolve our world. So that's, that's the future. I see, I see the future happening. Um, and we might be Moses, right? Like we might not see what it is that, that we've built. Right, like maybe what we're what we're building is yet to be in the way in which we completely vision it. So I hope I answered your question. I see the future where any of the young people who are in school now don't get out and get a job, <laughs> make a career choice because they have to pick something. So I see a future where people feel free to do the things that they want to do and we build a commons culture so they're actually rebuilt, refined, remember how to steward a commons together. Um, and I see a future where things are very decentralized. People have a lot of agency to put renewable energy on their homes themselves and plant beautiful plants and make art throughout. None of that's just rocket science to accomplish. So I think we're ready to do it. <laughs> I, want to, I just want to acknowledge you and you for what you said because it's very beautiful. I especially like like what you said. Uh, I think I got it. You were. This is like one day. It's the beginning. It's the middle. It's the end. And it's a, it's a very high perceptive of time and and space and matter and energy and all that sort of stuff. And and yeah, you know you know what's what's interesting is is that it's a very very responsible position to take because actually what you're doing is you're laying seeds and laying intentions there that are going to be there. The fruits of those intentions are going to be there long after this body decays, long after we're all go to dust, you know. And it's a very responsible thing to do. I mean, I think the first time I ever felt that was with my mother. You know, my mother is a painter and she used to talk about things to, for me, you know, you'd learn music, drag me to music lessons and all that kind of stuff and, and, and made sure that I was educated and, 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 and you, know, you know what I mean? And, and, and I thought like, why is she doing this, you know? And, I, and as a kid, I was one of these weird kids. I don't want to get into that, but anyway. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> I was like, you know, wow, she's, a, she's, a, she's old. She's going to die one day. Why is she doing this? But then I had a thought, like, she's looking out for me. Mm -hmm. 
and you know, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's 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 a really beautiful thing. I think to specifically answer your question is 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 it's 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 it's, it's really profound. It's it's it, you know, there's a lot of good people on the planet, and we're going to push back. And you know what? We're going to win too. Yes, we are. See. We're, we're going to win, and the question is, how fast? Mm-hmm. That's really all we're looking at, is what's the speed? Now, I mean, I know that when we're all disconnected, I'm going to go back to this connection thing again. I know when we're disconnected, we're less powerful. I know that bad guys thrive off of when you divide, you conquer. Wars throughout history, going all the way back, have been won based on that one principle, divide and conquer. And if you keep that in your head and reverse it, let's get together and win. That's where it's at. So, similar to um, Piper's Piper's perspective on everything, I I think um, what I would like to see in the future is something where we can build in and then be prepared, patient, and have a presence of mind to accept what's new and not necessarily marry ourselves to certain things. Um, when, when you look at Detroit, I think that Detroit in many ways, like a lot of places and even America itself has married itself to certain things that clearly are not as functional as they were at one point in time. But that change is tough. So I want to see a future where we will have the courage to embrace change a lot more. Uh, have the presence of mind to be present one-on-one. Similar to what you were saying, Stephanie, because it's really like that one-on-one connection. You know, you were saying wars and nations, but even wars and families sometimes. Sometimes people aren't connecting with their own loved ones, you know? And it's a journey as I've grown older and things have changed and my position in family has changed. You know, um, having that willingness to embrace that and even how you said, like, you're accepting more of the presence of mind of spirituality because it was presented to you in a way where it's like, I can grab this. And how it was presented to you before was something that you didn't really want us to necessarily take. So uh, the more that we can sit in that, I think the, the better. The challenge of that is it's going to take, it's going to take the time and the patience as well. You know, Mr. Clark said it said it best. It's a lot of anger. It's a lot of rage. It's a lot of people that are in this position of uh, feeling as though they're not getting a fair shake. They're not getting what they deserve. They're not being as fulfilled. But that fulfillingness is going to take more love, like an internal journey, an internal discussion. So I see that happening. It's just the path of when that connects. And along that way, it's going to be some discomfort. But like anything, that discomfort will lead to growth. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.